You're listening to The Voice of Dog. I'm Kaki, your faithful fireside companion, and today's story is Little Light Show by W.R. Fricks Markin, who spawned sci-fi and madness of various sorts, and who wrote Oak Branch in Give Yourself a Hand by Goal Publications. And you can find more of his stories on his Fur Affinity page. Please enjoy Little Light Show by W.R. Fricks Markin. It had rained earlier that day, but the sky had cleared up nicely and the city was well on its way to being dry once again. That didn't mean there weren't puddles in the alley Taru found himself in this particular evening, but it did mean the wall of the office building in front of him was nice and dry. Dry enough for the contents of his can to bond properly. The maimed wolf pointed the bottle at the wall and began spraying. To the casual observer, the sprayed matter seemed clear. However, Taru's glasses gave him a very different view of the situation. The tag he was forming, which included his personal symbol and that of his crew, was forming up nicely. Quality loops and a little bit of taunting underneath. Not targeted at a rival gang, for Taru's crew wasn't that sort of group, but the daytime residents of the office buildings to either side of him. A few final marks later, and the full tag was complete. Returning the bottle to his waist, he lifted his wrist device up and began poking at its buttons. As he did so, the invisible marks he had made on the wall began to shimmer and activate, arranging the nanomachines inside the paint into functioning micro-projectors. He then pointed his wrist at the lowest window on the wall, still a couple stories up, and clicked the project button. The wall before him came to life, and a spinning projection of his tag appeared in front of the window. The maimed wolf smiled and began to mark the rest of the windows on that level, and then the next and the windows on the other side, too. Each time, a new bright red or blue projection appeared in full view of the window, ready to be spotted by the office workers and bankers, mocking them for their subservience to the system. It was, however, about this time that Taru realized he was no longer alone in the alley. He lowered his gaze to the rather displeased-looking security guard blocking the way to the street. Normally, this would not be an issue for Taru, but for this particular alley, the other way wasn't as easily traversed as the way he'd come in. Still, he felt confident about his ability to escape along the alternative path. The guard cleared his throat. "'About time you noticed me,' he said with a gruff tone. "'Why, hello there,' said Taru smugly. His smile, however, began to fade as he spotted the unusually long tail of the guard and all its stripes. "'A lemur.' Ah, figures. Now, are you going to play nice, or are you? started the guard. He stopped talking, however, as the maimed wolf turned and began to sprint down the alley. The guard started after, but the tall maimed wolf easily outpaced the lemur. Taru soon reached the end of the alley and its chain-link fence. Being well over six foot, it was relatively easy for him to vault over top of it and onto the large piece of machinery on the far side and from there a pull-up onto the ledge that would give him access to the parking garage. However, all the time Taru had made up by outrunning the lemur was lost as the guard leapt up to the garage level in a single bound. The garage level was filled with expensive-looking cars and was unusually busy with traffic, making straight prints tricky for the main dwarf. A few close calls and one slide over some well-dressed fox's hood later, and Taru was nearing the ramp down and out of the garage. His thoughts of escape, however, vanished as the guard leapt from a ledge above the exit right into Taru's path. Hey, you gotta be kidding me, growled the main wolf, before turning and sprinting back up the ramp with the guard in hot pursuit. Up the garage he ran, quickly aiming for the stairwell in the corner of the structure. 
He began to hear the sound of police drone sirens from below as he neared the door of the stairwell and so quickly decided up was the way to go. Two flights of stairs later and he took the alternative exit from the garage onto a sky bridge. He rushed across it only to find the doors on the far side securely locked. Taru looked over at the side of the sky bridge, witnessing the drones pulling up just outside the stairwell across the street. He looked to his sides. The building on that end of the sky bridge had complicated architecture, he realized, just enough for him to grab onto and pull himself up some distance to a ledge. He began climbing as the doors on the far side of the bridge opened, and the guard, followed by two bipedal robots, marched out. The robots were the remote cores of the drone vehicles parked below and likely run by the real officers some mile or two away. They proceeded to cross the bridge, but by the time they were at the far door, Taru was already on the ledge, carefully balancing himself as he strolled his way around the corner of the building. Wary of more surprises from the lemur guard, he kept his focus on this path forward until the ledge ended at the edge of a large entry hall for the skyscraper. He looked around to try to find a way forward, and then he looked behind him. As he expected, the guard was rounding the corner, having left the not-so-nimble robots behind. Taru then glanced down. Above the entrance below was a series of flagpoles sporting a number of colourful banners, local and national. Taru leapt. Grabbing the first pole hurt more than he expected, but soon he was swinging back and forth. He glanced at the approaching lemur before refocusing on the next flagpole. As he swung forward, he let go of the pole and reached for the next, successfully grabbing it. A couple swings later, and he was swinging on to the third. The final part of this traversing was to extend a leg out on the next swing forward so he'd catch on the building again, allowing him just enough leverage to climb up on the ledge once more. If he was an inch shorter, he'd not have been able to reach. As he pulled himself up onto the next bit of ledge, he spotted movement out of the corner of his eye. He looked to the middle of the three flagpoles and saw the guard had landed on top of it and was readying to leap again. Taru pulled himself up and began to move along the ledge, getting only a few meters along before the guard landed on the ledge behind him and then immediately started to shimmy along after. Taru rounded the next corner of the building and was delighted to see a possible way forward that didn't require as much swinging. A little further along, the next building over was particularly close particularly where there was a series of balconies. Taru made this jump easily enough, but the doors of the first balcony were locked. Mindful of his pursuer, he clambered over the railing and hopped to the next balcony and then the next, finding time after time that his way inside was locked. He glanced over his shoulder and saw that the lemur was casually making his way still along the ledge, not bothering with the more complicated antics the maned wolf was engaged in. Taru tried a few more balconies but had no luck. He then looked over the edge and saw there was one more row of balconies below him. Over the railing one more time he went, dropping down onto the next balcony and then once more down for a rather uncomfortable landing in the alley. "'We done?' asked the lemur as he landed right behind Taru. Taru didn't bother to answer and instead returned to running. The guard sighed and then started after, operating a device to summon the police drones to his location. Taru rounded the corner and kept running hopping over garbage and avoiding obnoxiously large holes in the concrete. The end of this alley was starting to be a problem, he realized, as he neared it. A large piece of machinery chugging away was blocking his path. It had too many moving parts for the maned wolf to feel comfortable trying to climb it. Instead, he opted for the low route, flinging himself under it and sliding through a narrow gap under the machine. 
The loud echoes of its working slid overhead and soon he was back on his feet. The guard landed not too far behind him, but as Taro began to pick up speed, he began to leave the lemur behind. Another turn, and then another, and he was back on the street. He turned towards the bridge over the river and went into a full sprint down the sidewalk. The bridge was deserted other than the car traffic, which was again heavier than normal this hour. Taro reached the middle of the bridge as he began to hear the sounds of sirens once more. There was a figure yet following him, he spotted, as he stopped to check his situation. The lemur, still in hot pursuit, struggling to catch up, but still eager to do so. Taru sighed, climbed up on the bridge railing, and went over the side. The guard pushed himself harder and began to look over the side of the bridge as he came close to where the main wolf had been, but below was only the inky blackness of the river. No main wolf. No sign of splashes or impact. The guard stopped and looked over the side. He craned his head around, looking for a spot where his quarry could have grabbed the side of the bridge and tried to hide, but all he saw was the girders and solid concrete structure of the bridge below. And nowhere even someone as tall as the maned wolf could grab onto and swing underneath the bridge without likely losing their grip and falling into the toxic river below. The drones pulled up next to him, and the robots unraveled from their wheeled portions to share in the gazing. And then there was the conversation with the lemur, who was quite cross, and quickly it was determined that likely the suspect had jumped into the river, as unwise as that was, and that they would be better served getting a statement elsewhere as the river patrol went to work looking for a body. After all, no one had survived that jump before. Taru overheard some of the conversation from his hiding spot behind the projection of a solid expanse of concrete, safe in the small gap in the side of the bridge just out of view. There he would wait until he was sure the coast was clear, and then he'd return to the safe house with an exciting story to tell. This was Little Light Show by W.R. Fricksmarken, read for you by Kaki, your faithful fireside companion. For more stories, you can find us wherever you get your podcasts or on the web at thevoice.dog. Thank you for listening to The Voice of Dog.